Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the end of time. Mm, very true. And this is a day by day situation because, and you can tell because that it's literally a timestamp that is five minutes and five seconds until the end of the episode. Uh-huh. So it's it's a long one. So I'm just gonna, I think, if if it if it pleases the court, I'm just Please. gonna jump into it because even summarizing it. it, it's still pretty long. So here is what happens in Agents of Shield season seven, episode three, starting at five minutes and fifty. Nope, five minutes and five seconds, and going until the end of the episode. Yes. Back on the Zephyr, birds are heard chirping as a new day begins. Mac and Daisy are arguing over her order to kill Freddie Malik, uh, but it is short-lived once Mackenzie pulls rank. Agent Gemma Simmons explains that they are more or less drafting off of the Chronicom's time jumps in order to follow them. Eventually, Mackenzie lays out a plan to find the tom- Chronicom time ship and go on the offensive. Coulson goes on to explain that Area 51 is a shield base, prompting Johnson to realize that conspiracy theorist days that she once had had some truth in them, uh, which is a great little exchange. Yeah. She's like, oh, my God, basically. Conspiracy <laughs> theorist me was right on the money. Yep, exactly. Uh, the <laughs> team discovers Helios at that base and conveniently realize it is likely a piece of the Chronicom's plan. Uh, I also, sorry, real fast, I do want to say, speaking of the thing where she's like, conspiracy me day kind of thing, Yeah, uh, is in relation to that, he he's like, he talks about Area 51 being a shield base and goes, all the areas are. Yeah. And I love that line. It's so <laughs> good. It's very funny. <clears throat> okay. We hear Heavy Dreams by Lloyd Price as Mackenzie, Rodriguez, Colson, and Johnson head to the Flying Rocket Diner. Great name, by the way. For Just, sure. That got a chef's kiss for me. Like, that's the kind of shit I love in, like, 50s, 60s, like, era stuff, especially in things like Fallout when they, like, have that, like, this is the 60s aesthetic but in the future, oh, yeah, just love that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I would definitely eat at a place called Flying Rocket Diner, by the way. Uh, yeah. to, pick, uh, to pick up a mark, a man named Gerald Sharp from the United States Department of Defense. While there, Matt confesses to Rodriguez that her prosthetic arms uh, you know, feel very real to him. Uh, oh. Mm. Um, Rodriguez also confesses that while at the speakeasy, she tried to use her inhuman ability but couldn't. Mac understands and says that she is probably still recovering. They talk about the strike. Um, yeah, somehow the poison. strike has come up again. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I had to yeah. go find it in my character list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> at another table, though, Coulson is in, is in awe at being in 1955 and calls it the precipice of innovation. Uh, Daisy does quickly point out that there is still segregation uh, and uh, you know because they're in the 1950s. And Coulson does admit that they still have a long ways to go before they see Sharp walk through the door of the diner. After Johnson slips something in his coffee, they have him subdued on the Zephyr with plans to get information on Helios from him. Um, by the way, I do want to point out that if you are watching this episode, like along with us kind of thing, and you get to the scene, you go, hey, I think I know that guy. Yes, you 1000% do. And trust me, James is going to tell you all about it later. For sure. Um, Agent Melinda May then joins the team and is quickly briefed on the fact that they are in 1955 and in Area 51, trying to stop the Chronicoms from stealing a powerful space weapon. May once again has no reaction, and the team is starting to take notice of her odd behavior when she appears to be devoid of any emotion. Right. Mac and Johnson explain to her that Coulson and si- uh, Simmons are already on the base. 
Coulson uses Sharp's identity, but Simmons had to use Agent Peggy Carter's identity to get in. Whoa. You've heard of her? You've heard. We know her. Sorry. <laughs> let, me try, let me try this one more time there for you, there, James. Simmons had to use Agent Peggy Carter, art of her, uh, identity to get in. <laughs> but where is she? She's back home dancing. Exactly. Uh, what I also think is great, though, is that uh, I don't know what it was, but I was watching something recently where someone pulled a heard of it. Yeah. Like in something that I was watching and I was like, wow, I know they don't watch our content, but it's like they watch our content. It's very funny or listen to our content. I mean, yeah, Um, it was very funny to me. Um, Okay. Inside the lab though, Colson and Simmons meet the head scientist, uh, Pascal Vega, who walks them through some of the high tech. I'm putting that in quotes. Uh, in inventions, one of them being the walkie-talkie wristwatch, ooh, ooh. which has a, quote, tiny radio that the scientist eagerly explains one can carry on their person at all times. Eventually, the two unimpressed agents explain that they need to question the scientist for a potential security breach. Um, it There's so many great little quips about these things where they're, they're looking at it like, ah, mm-hmm, because it's super chunky watch and it has a giant yeah. antenna on it. Yeah. So it's not you know covert at all. But then also like when they talk about the EMP, then he's like, he's like, and pretty soon we're gonna be able to get this uh, to a, like a radius of thirty feet. And he's yeah. so excited about it. And she's like, uh huh, yeah, because she <laughs> could make one that is like probably thirty miles worth, you know, yeah. in like probably a day, you know, or less. Yeah. Um, she's like, give me a give me a like a day with them, and I yeah, would move and, them thirty years into the future. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. It's oh, and that again is one of those things of don't mess with the time stream. Yeah. But it feels very much like uh, fastest, you know, and mm-hmm. like and being like, mm. and they're like, I don't think they're ready for the steam engine. He's like, <clears throat> the plow, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and just like being so annoyed with it. God, it's so funny. Uh, so it's it's very much that, right? So uh, I'll go back to my notes. So back on the Zephyr, Mac and Yo-Yo interrogate Sharp, but it turns out he's not going to break so easily. It's great because he gives this whole spiel about he's like, listen, and he he does a great like crazy eyes where it's like not exactly focused on anyone. He's just like hitting some sort of core memory kind of thing. Yeah. He's like, you know, you think you can crack me? He's like, I'm ex-military, baby. I'm the head of, you know, the Department of Defense. He's like, you think you can crack me? I, you know, with interrogation and torture? He's like, I wrote the handbook on that, you know? Yeah. And he's just like, you know, getting into this whole thing. Calling on commies, all that other stuff, using some unfortunate Being language again. Racist, yeah, for yeah, sure. it's the it's the fifties, so you know it's very pointed racism. Um, at least, I mean, again, I understand it's because we're also not going to go wild with it, but it's like that thing of you can tell that this is like this is a TV show pulling it back. Yep, you know because he he doesn't use some words, right? He doesn't use some words, but you know what words that like if this was a real life situation what words he would use. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Um, which is, it's like, ugh, God, gross. Dead honky. Do you know that, you know that Richard yeah, Pryor yeah, sketch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, but I was just like, I can I comment on that? Uh, anyway, so in the lab. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, of course not, right? <laughs> no, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. just meant like, can I do anything with that? Probably not. So let's move yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, in the lab, though, I'm going to try this one more time. In the lab, scientists line up to be questioned by Colson and Simmons. Colson explains that they don't need to test whether or not they are chronicoms. They need to test that if they are human or not. Right. Another agent then arrives on the base, and a guard explains that two agents are already interviewing the scientist, one of them being Peggy Carter. The arriving agent reveals himself to be Agent Daniel Sousa, <gasps> the former partner 
of the real um, Peggy if, Carter. If you know what I mean. Yeah, if you know what I mean. We're going to come back to that one, though. Deke Shaw and Johnson, meanwhile, argue over her order to kill Malik. Mm. Shaw goes on to tell Johnson that he does not want to be the guy that she met at the lighthouse in 2091. While looking through some paperwork, Johnson does realize that Sousa will be on the base, which will inevitably cause problems for them since he was Carter, since he was Carter's old partner. I just said Cartner partner. Cartner partner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cartner partner around. You know, <laughs> yeah. Spring your Cartner around and around. Hey, that's what. Ooh, Paul, that's what Cap did. But Paul McCartner. <laughs> uh, while she is still questioning scientists, Simmons is interrupted by Sousa, who explains who he is and promptly arrests her. He explains that he is in charge of the Los Angeles branch of the SSR and pulls out a gun. Simmons sighs in exasperation, which is very funny. Uh, meanwhile, Coulson is aboard the bus and questioning some more people to expose the Chronicoms hidden in plain sight when Sousa comes in and orders for Coulson to be arrested. Uh, he also Daniel turns Sousa, around and goes, big fan. He's Daniel Sousa. Oh, big fan. Yeah. Ching, takes a quick little picture with his little special glasses. Yeah. Back on the Zephyr, May could not crack Sharp, and Rodriguez mentions that she had to pull May from Sharp because May had been called an Oriental. Right. Uh, after some discussion, the team realizes that Shaw may have the better luck because he is white. Uh, <laughs> you don't think because... Right. Don't make oh, yeah. me say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's also great is that he's like, I mean, listen, I, I think some people might say I have the gift of gab, and they're like... It's like it's, there's so much uncomfortableness in all of that whole situation. It's great. It's so funny to me how much the characters do not care for Deke. Yeah. Uh, and in in these times, it's so so funny. Colin um, sent me hashtag relatable like five, ten, fifteen times in a row when he was watching. That is not understand. true. You stop that. No, but you did send me. Was it on Instagram the other day? You sent me a thing where they were doing a table read for this show. They were doing a table read and like. Even in this moment, people are so used to not, like, for Deke itself, you know, like, not being, like, stoked about yeah. the character River. Um, Deke. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, ugh. Uh, hang on, James? Okay. What's very funny is that I tend to send James, like, one or two at a time, and then James will send me, like, eight or nine back to back. At, like, 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> or later. Like, you sent me one at, like, 3, like, almost yeah. 4 a.m. the other day. And the like, the day, funny thing is that I was getting ready to go to bed, and I saw that, and I was like, dog, yeah. I'm up too late. What are you doing? I was talking to Daniel, and I was like, I think I was up late the other night. They were like, yeah, you were, because you sent me six TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. And so, oh, here it is. So, they're reading through it. says, uh, it's like, I don't even exist in Deke's timeline, Right. And they go, Deke, under their breath. And he goes, fondly, it says. Because <laughs> it says, like, they're remembering they're remembering him fondly. But the way they say his name in that moment during the table read is one of, like, disdain. And it's so funny as everyone just erupts into laughter. It goes, fondly, it says. It says fondly. <laughs> it's so good. Jeff Ward does seem like a, like a cool dude. Oh, like, no, I, do, I yeah. definitely agree. I don't think, my, to be very clear, my problems are not with Jeff Ward. They are yeah. with Deke, yeah. very specifically. Yeah, they're Deke word. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, and he, sorry. Deke does utter my favorite line, I think, of his of the whole series here, which is, under his breath, stupid white privilege. Which yes, that is, is also just... a very good line. <laughs> yeah. What's also great, because, like, you know, again, for him, where he's from, 
that definitely didn't exist because yeah. like that was and so like him it's so funny because it's it, it's like the interest it's the most interesting way of ignorance right yeah. because like there's a difference between being in a time where you don't realize that that is a thing that you could have yeah right like in the past because we were like not even uh progressive enough to consider these things i mean it existed for sure we just sure. didn't talk about it, it wasn't a th- it right. was it was a thing but it was unspoken you know what i'm saying right now we clearly know it. And like Deke being in a place where that was never a thing and then coming back, he's like, wait, I have this thing just because of this. Well, that's stupid. Oh, yeah. I hate that. You know, this is fucking awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so he's like a oh, stupid white privilege. Yeah. So uh, back on track though. Um, Sousa heads to his office where he encounters Johnson, who is undercover as a CIA agent. Again, also great line where she gives him her ID and says, now, I need to specify that is not my real name. She's like, my real uh, name, my initials are C, I, and A, if you catch my drift. And it goes, subtle. <laughs> Very, <laughs> Very funny. Contessa sort of uh, like appearance of Johnson, I feel like. Like mm-hmm. sort of just yeah. like oh, showing yeah. up and being like, I wasn't here. But she's also so like elegant in this yeah. scene, which is, I mean, I'm not saying that she's not normally elegant, but I feel like she's usually ready to be rough and tumble. Yeah. Right. So when she's she, like, a long ways from being in her van. Well, like, but I mean, also like the... in other seasons, she's just like, I'm ready to go. Like, put me in in my uniform, or whatever, and like, I'm gonna go rough them up. Right. Yeah. She doesn't typically do the spy stuff necessarily yeah. anymore. Baseball reference and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but now suddenly she's like, oh wait a minute, being a spy is kind of fun actually. Yeah. Um. So like, she's <laughs> like really hot, leaning into it. So yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, listen, I also will be like, ha, Daniel, who's a, mm, uh, hi. Uh, he'd be like, what is happening? How do you know? I mean, I'm part of. I'm. I'm CIA. I'm. Maybe you could see me. A. I'm Canadian. You Why could are we still see, going with that cover? I have an A. What does that? Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, what's anyway. this? Yeah. Oh, what's this? It's my backstory. <laughs> oh, did I drop my ID? Let me just let me just yeah, grab this for you. Um, anyway, so Johnson uses her knowledge of Sousa and the recent security breach to her advantage and wins him over. Sousa reveals that he was sent, sorry, that he has sent rather a report to the CIA regarding sleepers within Shield post World War II. There's a great yeah. bit where she's like. She's like, mm, let me just tell you this. You're not crazy, right? <laughs> Which is such a good little like Easter egg and tease kind of thing for things. Yeah. Uh, Shaw takes a crack at interrogating Sharp. And while it seems like he's gaining his trust in the beginning, Sharp then laughs at him and refuses to talk. I thought I thought we were interfacing so well. And it's yeah. great. He's like, I mean, listen, he's like, you're right. I could give you that information, but in order to do that, I would have to be a moron. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the delivery of it is so good. Um, but then, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, you're good. Because he does, he however, does give him, slip up. Yeah. He does. Because mm-hmm. it's arrogance, right? Yep. He does slip up and explain that Helios doesn't even work because there's nothing powerful enough to get it up to velocity. But, like, it's arrogance because he's like, there's nothing you could do with this thing. If there's, yeah. you know, all right, commie. But he's like, ha no, what you don't realize is there is something that can get it to velocity. Yeah. So Shaw realizes that a chronicom would be, and that must be, what they are planning. So he explains this to Mac, and they decide to send in May and Rodriguez into the base disguised as pilots, uh, because at that time, woman pilots were not uncommon uh, and were actually respected. Uh, May and Rodriguez then head to the lab and toss in two gas canisters with the plan to take down anyone who doesn't react. However, once in the gas, May seemingly has a panic attack and Rodriguez freezes again. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a great thing where they're out in the hallway 
and they're, you know, she's trying to help her and she goes, what happened? She's like, do I look like I want to talk about it? And then they're moving along. Well, why didn't you use your superpowers? You know, you could do this, right? And she goes, does it look like I want to talk about it? <laughs> really funny. For Meanwhile, sure. uh, Sousa uh, takes Johnson to go see Coulson and Simmons, who quickly turn the tables on Agent Carter's old partner and lock him in their cell as sirens sound off in the base. Coulson explains again that he is really a big fan as they leave him there. And, May and, and uh, Rodriguez. Johnson's like, Johnson's like, we're the good guys, really. Yeah, I promise. Yeah, that's so funny. And he's like, it's so clear, like, you're having a funny way of showing it. Uh, meanwhile, on the Zephyr, Sharp escapes and wanders into the bridge. He is quickly overwhelmed by all the futuristic technology and begins to panic, very much like uh, uh-huh. our uh, our favorite grandfather or maybe great-grandfather from 1931. Um, but then, uh, Mackenzie tells him to settle down and he's like, listen, I can explain. Just is like, listen up, here's what it is. And then knocks him out with a single punch. And he's like, I think he says I can explain. And then pow, I just prefer not to, which is great. Yeah. Um, as the panicked soldiers and scientists evacuate the base, Simmons, Johnson and Colson head back to the lab to try and deactivate Helios while, uh, Melinda May and Yo-Yo go after the Chronicom who is still trying to plug herself into the potential bomb. Simmons quickly realizes that she can use the EMP generator in the S.H.I.E.L.D. lab to stop Helios, but she'll need to amplify it, which is going to take time. Johnson tries to remove a scientist from the lab, but it turns out that he's actually the second Chronicom, Niles Linmore, uh, who attacks her. Before she can do anything, Coulson tackles him and leading to another robot fight. May and Yo-Yo face off with the other Chronicom outside at the actual Helios device, uh, as Simmons finally is able to use the EMP to shut down all electronics on the base, including Helios, the Chronicoms, and Coulson. Yeah. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on? Mm-hmm. So, Sousa, who had briefly joined Coulson's fight, you know, when he sees him and he's like, you know, beating the uh, Chronicom, and he's like, hey, get off of him, and pulls a gun on him. Then the other guy gets the other upper hand and goes, you too, both of you stop it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so it. he watches the Chronicom self-destruct and orders a, sign, uh, sorry, a soldier rather to get a medic for Coulson and goes, for, get a medic for these guys. Well, maybe at least for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, while still clearly suspicious of these newfound visitors, uh, seems to accept that they are more or less the good guys. An unconscious Coulson lays on the ground as he is rebooting. Finally, up in the sky, Mackenzie and Shaw hover the Zephyr over Sharp, who is now waking up in the desert. Over a speaker, Mackenzie refers to Sharp as Earthling and tells him that he cannot reveal what has been seen or the next time you you will be abducted and you will be uh, probed. (laughs) Sharp eventually makes it back to the diner and yells out that he thinks that he was just abducted by aliens who are also communists from the future. And I go, we got a live one. It is Real by Chuck Higgins plays us out and... I'm going to put this, I'm going to you know lead here. This is the first song we've covered in the 1950s that was published before the date mentioned. <laughs> uh, if so. I may, really quick, uh, chronicomies. That is very good. If he knew yes. about the term chronicom, he definitely would have used it. Yes, for sure. He's like, ah, chronicom, guy got it because of chronicomianist. I'm not going to listen to you chronicomies. And they go... It's not bad, actually. That's no, I, I can't be leading into that. No, just stop that. The red scares too much. Okay, uh, that is all that I. Oh, it's not all that I have. I mean, like I have sure two notes here, uh, but I want to know your thoughts on what we've seen today. Um, it's so interesting 
the the 1950s episodes are very very interesting because they're so so genre specific like this is such a like aliens military base sort of like oh you, you know mysterious bomb thing is going to happen i love it very very much i love susa getting to keep on playing susa like you know i love mm-hmm. that it's like oh and by the way susa's in here too and like all of that i love the interrogation scenes and just like all the different tactics they use it's um it's also a great like thing where like you know you always have to have at every turn there has to be a foil to everything right mm-hmm. and like the chronicoms can't be the foil to the agents because the agents are the foil to them right so like you know you have uh like real life cops effectively in 1931 uh because right. like you know they are posing like as cops so it's like yeah, yeah. so you have yeah. all that kind of situation where it's like oh right right yes, yes, yes you know they are being chased by the real cops at one point because of this thing but then yeah. they're also chasing the bad cops you know right uh and so then that's what this is right like they are chasing the chronicoms and of course there is someone like the only person that could know that they are not who they say they are like he has to show up on that day right you mean like it's the yeah. only way that drama and some of that can insert itself into the scenario, yes. at least on a writing standpoint. But it's also great yeah. because it's like you have to recognize that at this moment, this is really the only time that he could show up. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. This is the time he exists. I mean, any later and he would, he would, you know, he might be very old or even dead. Right. Because you never well, who know. Who knows? Yeah. Something, you never know when people are going to meet their fates. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's like, get 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 um, the time with Sousa in now while you still have a, have the opportunity. Exactly. Get busy living or get busy flying. Mm-hmm. Um, Quinjet, um, Zephyr. Um, yeah. So I I just I think that there's a little bit of a of a, this is not going to age well in the use of the word moist. Like there's a mm-hmm. it's sort of like a yeah I remember when that was a thing sort of deal. It's still, I think though, you'll find that a lot of people still are very uncomfortable by the way. I agree, but in pop culture. Very true. I think that, that it's it's less sort of referenced as much. as That's fair. Um, Which is actually, I guess it's also fun because that shows how much of a time-related piece this is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but on both I, fronts. For sure. For sure. Uh, and I just, I yeah, you know, we've said it before. I just think. Chloe Bennett is such a charming actress. I think she I agree. can play like serious and seductive and comic and like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm your superior officer. You needed whatever. And then like, Oh, to second chronicom. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Like sort of, deal. You know, <laughs> like she, she's just, she's, I just love, I just love her. I love everyone on this show, but like in this episode, she really gets a, a chance to shine. I think. Um, I do agree with that. I think it's interesting that we, that we were su- well, sorry, that they were. I say we as if I was there, that they were surprised by a second Chronicom because, like, granted, yeah. we've only jumped once before, right? But like, I think that we should have recognized that they used to have three, right? Right. But there's clearly more than just those three to begin with. So right. it's like we need to be aware that most of them are probably not going to go out into the field alone. Right. People almost always most certainly have backup. Right. So it's very interesting that she's like, okay, second one. Good to know. It's like, should have been looking for two. Yeah, probably, exactly. you know, the whole time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We need to be flying when we're time traveling. Okay. These are good. These are notes. We're learning. We're okay. growing. 
They they travel in packs. Okay. We're learning. We're figuring it out. We're getting yeah, there. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. I, I like I I I didn't notice how much how quickly this I thought there would be more of an uh there's an epilogue, but like more of a like Agents of Shield, where do they land? But that just sort of like is over. Um I guess I thought we'd more it, we'd more wrap up like and then they go whatever. Um but we'll you know, we'll see them next episode, but um yeah, anyways. It's um it's a good episode. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where I where I land. After having flown while time traveling. Um Very good. I have a rather hefty Avengers ensemble. Should we um, do that now or do you want to do your notes? Let's do that now. We'll come back to my notes just so we end on Yeah. Something I think that's a great call. Related to plot something or something interesting. Maybe. Uh not that that's not interesting. No, I know. It's just like, you know. It's what we did oh. in the last episode too, so I, I also love uh, that Sousa was on to Hydra's infiltration in 1955. Like, oh, yeah, I think no, that that is really, yeah. really great. Avengers Ensemble. Uh, first, we have one last Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. to check up on because we didn't see Ming-Na Wen until this episode of the of Time of Scavengers. Um, she has uh, recently been in the TV show Velma. Or the Wait, movie Velma, maybe? I'm confused. She was in 1931. We haven't seen her in 55. We didn't see her the previous evening because she wasn't awake in 55. Okay, sorry. I misunderstood what you were saying. I was yeah. like, homie, we we have seen her. Yeah, we haven't seen but her gotcha. in 55 yet. Right. Uh, so there's been enough time though in the release of our episodes, though, in which we would have something for her. I got you. Right. I feel you. Um, because she wasn't there when they arrived. That's, right. that's yeah. I apologize. Uh, yep. So she was on Velma, which I think is a movie because I didn't put the number of episodes. And, oh, no, it's uh, a TV show. It's a TV show? Okay. Well, she's on that. And then uh, she's also in 10 episodes of Gremlin's Secret of the Mogwai, uh, which I think is upcoming. Um, Pascal Vega uh, is played by Julian Acosta. Uh, he was on two episodes of The Rookie, one episode of The Librarians, one episode of Grimm, one episode of Castle, one episode of The Mentalist. There it is. <laughs> one episode of Scrubs, uh, one episode of West Wing, and he's married to the director of this episode. Oh, that's wild. Uh, that, yeah. Um, nepotism. <laughs> Nepo joking. babies. Nepo baby. I was just about to say, but I think it's great about that is that that's different because this time it's I'm Nepo baby. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Waitress uh, is played by an actress named Kara Gibson. Um it's funny, I kept thinking that she was going to reveal that she was herself an alien, a la like Men in Black, but she didn't, but she looks like she could. That's all I'm saying. She should have been. I think that should yeah. have been the reveal. That would have been yeah. very funny. Yeah. Uh, or, you know she, you know, at the end of Thriller, when he turns yes. back and it's eyes, uh-huh. it should be that, where she's like, That's we got a live one, and she turns back to like the audience and it freezes and like the eyes change. That would have been yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, would've yeah. Would have loved that. Uh, her name is Kara Gibson. She was in three other things besides this. Uh, the notable thing I saw was she was in one episode of Veep, uh, which is a good show. Gerald Sharp, my guy. Uh, Michael Gaston. He was on eight episodes of Blind Spot, which is an excellent show. 13 episodes of Man in the High Castle, which I keep meaning to check out. Two episodes of Jack Ryan, which I keep meaning to check out. 12 episodes of The Leftovers. One episode of Bones. One episode of the following, seventeen 
episodes of The Mentalist. No way. 17 episodes. He's basically The Mentalist. He's not. He's not. I will not stand for this Patrick James. No. Um, he was on one episode of The American... <laughs> the Americans, which is uh, George W. Bush's version of the show. Uh, one episode of The Americans. He was in Inception. I believe he is someone that they have to incept, uh, if I recall that movie correctly. Um, he is in two episodes of 24, four episodes of Fringe. He was in the movie Hackers. And he was in one episode of The Adventures of Pete and Pete. What a, what a, what a career we have in Michael Gaston. Yeah, that, uh, that last one is a fascinating one. The... The casting on Pete and Pete is so like, hey, you, come inside and play this role real quick. I mean, okay. Um, and it, but it's like, you know, Weird Al Yankovic. Like, it'll be like some random <laughs> famous person. Um, Lieutenant Carpenter, who is sort of, um, who is sort of the second in command, Sousa's sort of uh, right hand man sort of deal on the base, is played by a guy named Christian Gehring. He was in one episode of Lucifer. One episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, two episodes of Castle, and one episode of Bones. The Neat Nick Scientist, uh, I wrote that as the person who reacts to Moist, uh, is an actor named Brian, B-R-I-O-N, Brianson, B-R-I-O-N-S-O-N. The fakest, laziest, fakest name, listen, if that's your name, I love you for it, but it sounds like you panicked. (laughs) <laughs> yeah didn't, didn't give it too much thought we were just going to fight yeah <laughs> oh, it's really hard to god yeah it's really hard to think of another thing that's not the same word <laughs> i just said uh he was not in anything else uh really nerdy that i saw okay uh the timid timid lab tech uh who identifies the one that uh Gemma asked as, as like recounts the soap opera and then is like have you ever been in love and he like breaks down crying is a guy named Eric Gersowitz, uh, and he was in one episode of American Horror Story. The tightly wound security, sorry, the tightly wound scientist, the first one of the interview where she's like, how many fingers am I holding up? Just kidding, you know, too late, it's two or whatever, and just like tries to make him mad. Uh, his name, hold on one sec, autocorrect got me here. Do I have it open? No, I don't. Hugh B. All right, so this actor's name is Hugh B. Holub, H-O-L-U-B. Um, it changed it to hold, and I know that it wasn't Hugh Behold, because that is <laughs> another fake, fake, fake name. That is a porn star name, for sure. <laughs> Hugh Beholden McGroin. Um, he was in one episode of The Rookie, one episode of Arrested Development, four episodes of Stranger Things, one episode of Scorpion. He was in L.A. Noir uh, as Benjamin Kiever. Um, which is basically the bones of computer games. Uh, one episode of Ghost Whisperer, one episode of Push In that we keep mentioning it. Um, is the only L.A. Noir? You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Noiry, as I like to call it. Uh, I, I, I will say there's pro- that probably thing will make sense for people happening in 30s and 50s type shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like once Character we get to the 70s, stuff. I doubt yeah. we're gonna see that that for game sure. come up a lot. Uh, one episode of Ghost Whisper, one episode of Pushing Daisies, one episode of Monk, one episode of Power Rangers Wild Force, one episode of Charmed, and one episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, the German scientist that is telling the Heisenberg-related, uh, uh, you know, you can, the Heisenberg principle is you can tell where something is or how fast it's going, but not both, 
the punchline is related to that, but it's in German, is a guy named Stefan Kafer. Uh, he was in one episode of Blacklist. Uh, crew cut guy, who is the uh, guy that gets upset about uh, John Wayne. Mm. Like, uh, his name who is cares Carson. About John Wayne. Yeah. Who we cares? Americans. Americans care. Yeah. Uh, Carson Kern is the name of this actor. He was in one episode of National Treasure Edge of History, airing now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, three episodes of Kindred, airing now on Hulu. And he was in the movie F9, which IMDb had as like F9 colon the Fast and the Furious franchise or whatever. Um, Stern Woman, who gets the, uh, the Blade Runner question, is played by an actress named Mary Eileen O'Donnell. Uh, she was in one episode of Hunters, which is uh, in season two, and it's uh, excellent. Very, very good. And she also played a character named Stern Woman in season seven, episode one, new, The New Deal of this television program. I scrubbed Whoa. through the episode. I couldn't find her, but she is credited as that. Yeah. Uh, I wonder. Okay. Here's a wild question. Do we think it's the same person and they like aged her up or de-aged she's, her for that scene? She's like an uh, an inhuman or something else. Like she's a, like an Asgardian god or whatever. And so she's not a chronicom, but she is this look. She does look the same twenty four years later. Mm. I like well, that. No, very I, was, much. I, I said like they aged her up for this or something, oh, maybe or right. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. She uh, was just but, on the lot. They were like, I yeah. guess. Yeah, listen, just stick around. We got one more episode. A uh, well-dressed man uh, who, he was the guy that uh, uh, Colson said uh, John Wayne or Gary Cooper, and he said Van Johnson. Um, yeah. yeah. Is yeah, played yeah. by a guy named Alex Ross. Uh, he was on one episode of Revolution and one episode of Invasion. Uh, now the absolutely buck wild part that will end our uh, Avengers Ensemble episode, both the Chronicoms are uncredited. <laughs> so... Uh, the female Chronicom uh, is, I think it's because they're both stunt people, so maybe they're credited elsewhere. Um, yeah, and they also but, don't have a single line, which is very interesting. Yeah, isn't that weird? Because um, like the, the other Chronicoms have no issue with being like, yeah, quake. quake. Yeah. But like these ones are just like, mm-hmm. nothing. And that's yeah, they like, haven't that, earned their speaking rights yet. That little that little thing that I just that sound I made was like the 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 gears turning as their neck kind of yeah. to one side of like, hmm, Agents of Shield, but they think it only. They it go, wasn't oh, a fart, I... Colin's mom. <laughs> huh? They don't. They yeah. They don't. They're internalizing it. They're like, oh, am I not saying that part out loud? Oh, my bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's the Michael Myers um head tilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh the female Chronicom is named is played by a woman named Jessie Graff. Uh, she's a stunt woman who has done stunts. Now I want to reiterate: if you have just rejoined us because you're only tuning in for Agents of Shield content, first of all, whoa, come be on our show because you are wild person but uh what we started to do is if someone is primarily a stunt person and they are playing a role acting i go through their stunt specific marvel and then we'll talk a little bit about their acting because usually it's like acted in four things and it's just whatever uh she's a stunt woman that was in ant-man and the wasp uh six episodes of agents of shield x-men first class and iron man 2 uh she was she has acted in one episode of american horror stories Three episodes of Danger Force. Uh, she was in Wonder Woman 1984. She was on two episodes of Henry Danger. 
one episode of Supergirl, one episode of A to Z, which is a sitcom that should have uh, lasted longer, but it didn't, especially because it had a template for how the show should go, A to Z, but it got canceled, <laughs> around G or H. Um, and she was in one episode of Castle. Um, and then Niles Linmore, or the male Chronicom, um, well, the male Chronicom, who had taken over sort of the body of someone named Ma- Niles right. Lin. Lindmore. We don't really talk about the facelessness of the uh, victims here uh, these days. And uh, you know what? I wonder if the female Chronicom didn't talk because it would have had a male voice. Is that no, how that works? Sybil, Sybil doesn't have a male voice. Is she a Chronicom? I believe so. Huh. Hang Interesting. On. I guess I hadn't thought about that. I feel like she has to be. She. I guess she has to be. Please hold. Hang on. Chronicom who orchestrated a trip back through time. Yeah. Okay. All right. I had never, I don't know why I hadn't put that, like I hadn't like officially labeled her as that. Anyways, uh, he is played by a person who's who claiming their actual name is Breet Sheeran. Breet Sheeran, all double E's, uh, wherever you can put them. Uh, he is also a stuntman who has worked on WandaVision, Runaways, Legion, Captain Marvel, Logan, The Wolverine, and X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and Ghost Rider. I think that was the Nick Cage one. Um, and he has acted, uh, he was in the first, the Hobbit movie, um, an unexpected journey, I believe it was called. And those are the people that are on this show. Uh, I would have preferred that they had, uh, used names like instead of neat Nick scientist, um, moist scientist or, you know, like I know that something different than that, but like to have to be like. Um, okay, timid lab tech looks like this. Okay, it's that guy. Anyways, that's my only complaint. Uh, and that's Avengers Ensemble. Perfect. Uh, well, James, before we head out. Yes. Uh, I have two things to discuss. <clears throat> the first one is I've got bad news. Uh oh. Remember how I mentioned Is It Real by Chuck Higgins that played us out? And it's the first song from the 1950s that was published before the date mentioned. Don't take this away from me. Oh, no, no, no. That part okay. is still accurate. But the okay. reason why I mentioned that is because, guess what? There is another song that does play in this episode that you might okay. recall that plays when they're first going to the diner. Yes. That song that plays as we go there is Heavy Dreams by Lloyd Price. Now, I cannot for the life of me figure out which album of his that this was actually originally on because sometimes inf- information for albums that are older don't exist and you can only find remasters. You know right. what I mean? So it doesn't because exactly, albums you know. were not really a thing in the right. 50s. It Correct. Was like, but here's the single. problem. This song was never a single. It's not listed in his singles, rather. Right? So that means that it could not have been something that came out until after he published his first LP in 1959 at best. Right. right. So this song is still, once again, an impossible song to be playing in 1955 we're just outwardly being like, whatever, it's from the 50s. The Nevada radio station that they listen to in Groom Lake has access to all the bootlegs. It's it's because it is all uh, alien stuff. Like the aliens come back and they go, hey, listen, we once helped build pyramids in Egypt. But yeah. this time we're going to bring you all the best tracks from within the next four years. Yeah. And that's what <laughs> Elvis we're didn't you. die. He just went home. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, pretty mama. We gotta write a new song for you. 
Um, yeah, I, I I'm gonna chalk it up to uh, the radio stations playing all these songs is incredibly advanced, possibly time traveling, getting like all of the cool hits from a cup. You know, literally like your kids are gonna love it, and I know mm-hmm. that because I've taken them from when <laughs> your kids are listening to music. Yes, no, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I just had I had to bring that up because it's like it feels like considering I only mentioned three songs but hadn't really gotten into the second one. Yeah. I guess you know it might be easy to forget that I mentioned that song. So if you're like, well, you've only mentioned two songs, Colin. No, that's not true. I've mentioned three. Yeah. Two of which were wrong. Yeah. One of you which you need to pay like, attention, okay, listener. Fine. Exactly. Uh, Is it real? I believe was 1951, if I'm not mistaken. Um. I forgot to actually write down which year, but I do know that it was before 55. You know like, what I appreciate when, when, when shows and movies do is it's, they, they accept that uh, radio stations play back from when it takes place. It's not just like, this takes place in 63, so we'll only play stuff that came out in 63. Correct, yes. I, like, I agree with that as well. 62, like, 61, you 60. You play a song from 61. You know? Exactly. exactly. So... Now, here's something interesting, right? Because this episode also came out after Endgame. Yes. And so we mentioned this in Endgame a little bit. We did a little bit of a read tease. When he first gets to the base, if you're Mm -hmm. only thinking in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Agent Agent Carter terms, Uh right? Having him be his former partner, right? As in like in the field... You know, but also like they clearly were romantically involved in the, at the end of Agent Car- in the streets and in the sheets. Yes, um, <laughs> an agent in the streets, but a freak in the sheets. Um, uh-huh. But a you know, the, okay, Daredevil and Luke Cage are like the street uh, yeah. heroes. Yeah, uh, Susan Carter were sheet heroes. Sheet heroes, yeah. Um, That's a fun weekend, phew. if you know what I mean. We, <laughs> it's like penis. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm cutting you off, sir. No, um, fantastic. You're like, I haven't even been there, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm cutting you off, sir. After talking about that, that's called a bris. Anyway, uh, uh-huh. all right, I've got to reel it in at some point. Ignorance here. is bris. <sighs> that's pretty funny. Colin, cut, cut around a lot of that. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. but so. So uh, anyway, the whole point though was that um, we also realize that in Endgame in 49 yeah she ends up with Cap Cap yeah do you think the door was open because someone came home from work and started to open the door and then heard voices and then recognized that his partner was now with the man of her dreams that she left in the ice and he just left do you he think got that cuckold America? I think I think I think he did get cap and cucked. I think he got. <laughs> I think that, uh, or at the very least, he got dumped for him. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, she I, he got poured over a bridge like so much Captain America blood. Do you? Here was wild though. Do you think though that if he didn't like walk in to find them or something, do you think that she just broke up with him with like no explanation? And this whole time, he's just like, I don't even know. She's just dating nobody. She's just doing, like, I, there was no explanation. She just doesn't want to be with me anymore. And now I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm heartbroken. And, like, I'm without, you know, without her and all this stuff. Now she won't even you know, work with me in the field. You know, all this, like, do you, you know, because this whole thing clearly was a secret. This, like, little yeah. secret marriage. Or whatever. Yeah. So 
his like kind of best friend and also like co-conspirator and all this other stuff suddenly just like dumps him and is like, all right, see you. Goodbye. I'm done. And he didn't even think to go to Angie to get the dirt. Angie Probably, knew. Angie hundred percent knew. Yeah. And well, do you think so? She kept the secret because she's a great friend. Listen, she kept the secret of where she is on like the ledge for short. I don't know if she could keep cap a secret. I feel like that's a big, that's a big time thing. He just pulled up, he showed her abs and she's like, Okay, mm-hmm. my lips are sealed. She goes, my lips are sealed if I can just touch this. Let me just touch that. And, and then and she, and she does like, basically yeah, exactly what right. Carter does. And Carter's like, you know what? I get it. And then she just goes, wow. Okay, lips are sealed. like forever. You know, <laughs> and then and then also it's like, and then we're going to get a house. And she's like, you mean you're moving out and I get this big fancy place all to myself? <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> and um, Howard's like, Hello. Yeah, and then everyone's Future like... Future Mrs. Stark, and that's Tony's mom. And Angie changes her name to Maria and... Right, Maria, Angela... Uh, what's her name? Angie Martinelli. And yeah, Maria Angela Martinelli. She goes by Angie, but her first name is Maria. It works for me. She takes the I and the A from Angeline and adds it to the M-A-R of Martinelli. Yeah. Yeah, it's and a classic Maria. Yeah, classic yeah. code name. Stage name. And she goes, please, Angie Martinelli is my stage name. My real she, name? She was really inspired by West Side Story. So she's like, I'm going to start going by Maria. Because he just wants to start to say, I just met a girl named Maria. Which he would. 100%. Would. He would not yeah. even hesitate. <laughs> and he would, he, would, he would do it to Jarvis. And it would be yeah. like two in the morning. He would be like, please, sir, might, might we do this at least over breakfast in the morning? Yeah. He's like, is like, Natalie Wood calling again? <laughs> I was like, then, uh, sir, I must implore you. Yeah. My wife, she's resting. <laughs> I was like, let him finish. Yeah. And he's like, don't worry, I already did. He's like, mm, gross. <laughs> <laughs> High he five goes, over the phone to Anna. Just like, nice. <laughs> oh, you mean that he's calling them? I thought he was just like barging into their room. And oh. the night. Like a kid who's like, mom and dad, I threw up. Right. You know, like he's like so excited. He comes home and just like, Doctor Doc Jarvis doesn't even wait for him to answer. Just <laughs> knocks, but then Amelia enters the room, turns on the lights, and they're like, "What can I do for you, sir?" Yes, I also love the concept of him telling this story, um, and him going, "Shh, please, sir, you'll wake up." And then you hear Bernard in the yard, like, uh-huh. he's like oh, "Bernard, <laughs> you've woken the bird, sir. It takes forever to get him to sleep." And Anna's like, "No, I was already up." And he's like, "No, I mean bird by me." I see why like, it's confusing. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> Splendid. Okay, anyway. So Anyways. my whole point, though, is that he is back on track. Sousa is very clearly, like, when they say Carter, he is not stoked when they say her name. No. Like, someone who is a friend or a fan or whatever, when they say Carter, would be like, they sent Carter out here? Why did no one tell me? Huh. Hmm. Okay. And then we'll go on, right? Because whoever's now in charge of... Sorry, go ahead. It's a little bit like... um, He has the look like where it's like we we agreed to, you know, part ways. And then it's like, hey, uh, uh, Carter called. And you're like, what? And it's like Jimmy Carter or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. Right. Like where he's sort of always poised to be stoked, but like he's been burned before. 
And, and uh, you know what it is? It's also like he's probably also like I just I Violet and I we had something good. Yeah. And I let oh, Carter get in sure. between that. When you yeah. think about it, actually Carter is kind of a villain in this way. Now, granted, to be fair, she did not make him fall in love with her, and like no, she was not pursuing sure. him. But then Violet was like, "No, I can't do this because you're like you're clearly still in love with her or whatever, right?" But then like for him to like then be like, okay, well, I guess I have this. And then like both of them have now left. And he's just like, yeah. Ugh. I mean, poor guy, right? But anyway. Yeah. In a way, monogamy is, is a little bit the villain. You know what? That's an absolute truth. Um, so that is why we're here today talked about, no, okay. No, uh, but I, I think though that like, it's fascinating. Along poly. He's <laughs> He very clearly is, not stoked, which is so no, fascinating to me, sure. considering his past. And when he turns around and sees Simmons, basically, when I say turn around, I mean like turn around, I mean like you know to have that conversation, and then he kind of goes to the building, kind of thing, and then comes across Simmons, and then she's like, "Oh boy, you're Daniel Sousa, aren't you?" And that is why <laughs> you would know that I am not Peggy Carter. <laughs> and then later on, he goes, fakest British accent you've ever heard. Yeah, you I love when she's like, you should tell her that. Yeah. Yeah. Good <laughs> shit. They should Good dialogue. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I could see that. That'd be kind of a strange. I mean, it's like, what, is he going to leave his time period? Like, Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying, James. That'd yeah. be weird. I, I Listen, I get what ifs are fun. But like, right. you know, let's, let's. let's Yeah, exactly. Let's be cool about let's it. Let's not turn into like a soap opera. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that was all that I had. I just wanted to point out how funny yeah. it is to consider that, like, at the time when you're watching that, if you're not really fully taking into effect what happened at Endgame, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess they broke up. Yeah. Be- in between Agent Carter and this. But then suddenly, once you put in the context both the breakup, but also that she's now with Cat again, like, oh, yeah. just, and probably also did not tell him why. Or maybe she did, but he is also now burdened with this secret. All right. Well, anyway, I, that's all that I have, though. So we can head on out. We can... Yeah, um, should I uh, draft on the back of the Chronicoms through time? That there's got to be something better than this. I don't know what it could possibly be. But I just... I, or maybe... Okay, you know what it is? Why don't... Can can you can you give that to me again, but this time with confidence? Because I feel like what's happening is... is <laughs> no, yeah. Okay. No, to, to be clear, what I'm saying is that because we're like kind of feeling it out every yeah. time we've said it so far, it's been like a question, but not like the way that we go, shall we head out west, right? It's like, should I track off the timeline of the chronic? Yeah. No, it's, it, there's no like flow to it. So hit me with the flow and we'll see how we feel. All right. Well, my name's James Anderson and I like to say... That's the chronicoms here are to, the chronicoms are gonna ruin the day, <laughs> but they'll be ruined the day once I'm done with them. And Daniel Sousa, so <laughs> what... <laughs> all right, Colin. Well, shall we uh, jump into the wake of the chronicoms and uh, move on further down into the time stream? Yes, yeah, let's do that. Great, great, great. I'm glad that we are on the same page and very confident about that. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Patreon today, and that is a good thing. Uh, Patreon.com slash the Scavengers Network is where you can find our Patreon page. Uh, for $2 a month, you can access you can get access to all sorts of bonus content. Um, outtakes. Um, I know I've caught some outtakes uh, out of some episodes that I've edited recently. 
So our outtake uh, file is getting pretty large, and I would imagine that an outtakes sort of compilation might be in the offing. Um, mm -hmm. We also have some uh, actual play stuff that we've done uh, with uh, the Timeline Scavengers annuals number one and two. Um, and then non-Timeline Scavengers stuff, there's just a whole bunch of stuff. Like, yeah. it's so much, and I just can't really convey to you how valuable this two dollars a month is like it's really really good if you like bonus content join the patreon it's really really great that's gonna do it for us for today um, um can i give one one little shout out to myself please. for the patreon oh. i will say that i understand that we're way past the holiday season but it's also okay. very barely at all a christmas movie that it becomes a christmas movie in the last five ten minutes but I did a it's mostly like, just white. That's very true. Uh, <laughs> I did because we've mentioned in the, I think it was either last episode. Yeah, it was last episode. Mm -hmm. uh, we we or did an actual. Two episodes ago. Oh yeah, you're right. Two episodes ago, we actually talked about this movie, of course, because we always talk about it on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did a like commentary track for White Christmas, where I kind of intro it and then I say, okay, on the count of three, we're gonna hit play, and then I do a commentary track over it. And I, in my opinion, I think it's pretty fun. I think it's very funny. At the very least, so like, that's worth worth a worth a look uh, look at if you're like I finally want to watch this movie that they keep talking about, but like because it's old, maybe I don't know if I if I'm gonna it's gonna hold my interest. Well, maybe I can help hold your interest in this yeah. movie. Um, yeah. So Con imagine Colin sitting next to you, taking a couple handfuls of popcorn while he talks to you. You know, mm -hmm. sort of about the ins and outs of what's going on on the screen. Yeah. Every Fantastic. every two three minutes, just giving you some sort of quip or singing along a little bit, or maybe yeah. giving you like a oh this is great because this is the part where after he got off the the scene, he went home and immediately hit his kid with a bag of oranges because it doesn't oh. have a bruise. Anyway, no, he I didn't don't. get away from me, oldest child or youngest child. I forget what the story is. <laughs> yeah, anyway, <laughs> uh, so anyway. yeah, that is Patreon.com/slash The Scavengers Network. Um, that's gonna do it for us for today. Uh, as always, I am James Anderson. I'm Colin Parker. Excelsior and beyond from outer oh. space in the future. Also on Disney Plus. Please sponsor us. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.